morning. Hey, it works if you turn the mic on, you know what I'm saying? That's all me. Have a seat, if you will. Welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, if it's your first time here, I'm Pastor Mike, and I'm electronically challenged, apparently, so uh, welcome. But if you did not get a guide this morning, our ushers have those. Raise your hand. They'll be happy to bring one to you. It's got sermon notes in there. It also has a connection card. For those of you it's first time, we would love for you to fill out that card and let us know it is your first time here. A uh, couple quick announcements. It's really cool because uh, Rob Miller came up to me and said, do you need a hanky? And I thought... He's expecting me to really shuck the corn today preaching. You know what I'm saying? He brought me a hanky. So uh, thanks, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Um, Real quick, thank you guys so much for those of you who participated in the Go Bid or Go Home auction last week for our youth. Uh, Just want you to know our youth made uh, about $2,400 that is going to all go to buy Christmas presents for foster kids at Camp Anderson. So really proud of our kids from doing that. want to remind you, we will have a Christmas Eve service right here in the auditorium. So plan to be with us on Christmas Eve so you can start to invite people now. Uh, Fifth Sunday Family Worship is next week. Next week. And so here's what we do if you're fairly new to the church. Whenever there's five Sundays, uh, there's a couple reasons for this. For 100,000 years, I was a youth and children's pastor. And one of the hard parts was whenever there's a fifth Sunday, it was hard to find volunteers because people work in the kids' ministry on first and third and second and fourth. You you tracking with me? So when fifth came once a quarter, it's always a mess to try to find kids workers. It was always kind of a deal. What we came up with when we launched the church, what if we just have family worship on those days? And that's also the days that we do child dedications, baptisms, and kind of family business, if that makes sense, right? And so that's next Sunday. So when you come next Sunday, for those of you who are fairly new, there will not be children's ministry. We'll bring our kids with us. Yeah, it's noisy. It's all good, right? Um, Listen, bring your kids. Let them do their thing. It'll all be fine. They're not going to distract me. If you sit next to an old fogey, just smile at him and move over somewhere. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, but in all seriousness, we really, I really, really love Fifth Sunday Family Worship. Our youth have put together an amazing uh, praise dance for you next week. Uh, that's going to be really cool. But if you would like to participate in child dedication or in baptism next week, we've got several already signed up. We would love to have you do that. You can do that online uh, or with a connection card right there. You can put it that we would like to do that. And then just want to also remind you, if you have not done Life Steps with us, uh, we start next week with Life Step 1. So plan to be a part. Um, it is the best, honestly, probably 90% of the questions that somebody has about Church of the Lakes, the answer is Life Steps. And what I mean by that is if you want to know how to get more involved, if you want to understand how the church is structured, um, if you want to know how you can get plugged in and what things that we have and those kind of, Life Steps is the answer. So plan to join us first or next week. But um, this weekend, I'm still recovering from man camp. We had man camp this week. So you'll see some of our guys in their, in their man camp shirts. And uh, your pastor slept in his truck. Um, So about 1130, I was trying to sleep in the back of my truck. I'm going to tell the story on myself. It'll be okay. Um, So about 1130, I'm sleeping in my truck, right? And that's a king cab. So I'm thinking, I got plenty of room. But once I got in there and tried to lay down, I was about six inches too long for the back of my truck. So I'm like, just my knees, just, you know, and man, I couldn't get comfortable. I had a sleeping bag and all this. And we had one guy pull up in this like 2020 RV this gorgeous, all Mac daddied out. He's like, Pastor Mike, you can come sleep with me. And I had this battle because I'm like, I really want to, but I'm like leading man camp and I will never hear the end of it. You big sissy, you went and slept in the RV. So I didn't because I didn't want to hear any more than I'm already hearing from Mark. But anyway, so about, uh, about, I don't know, it was 1130 or so. I was just, okay, the back seat's not working. I'm going to try the passenger seat. But what I did was I locked the doors because I didn't want any of these guys jacking with me because I know how they are. Right, And I was expecting somebody to come mess with me, so I'd locked the door. Well, I didn't think about it. When I got up to get out to get in the passenger seat, the doors were locked, so I set the alarm off. So about 11.30, I woke up the whole camp, or those that were already asleep, about 11.30. So I get into the passenger side, and I always sit down to the passenger side, put it back, try to find the right... Uh, uh, anyway, finally about, I think, I would say about 1 o'clock, I finally fell asleep in the passenger seat, right? There's a problem. Mike Champagne decided to park his truck right next to mine. So he's right next to the passenger. I got the window halfway down. I had figured out the right temperature with the window and all this. So about 1.30, Mike decided he needed to go into his truck. So at 1.30, he set the alarm off in his truck. 
I thought I was going to shoot somebody because I, I came up. Anyway, we had a fantastic time. Like, it was a lot of fun. As you can see, um, there was, we did have one small issue with feet smell, but we'll, we'll deal with that. Um, some people have some feet issues. Anyway, so, but hey, uh, those of you who did not come to Man Camp, man, plan to come with us next year. We had a lot of fun. We blew some stuff up. We got to drive a big old um, um, excavator. Thank you very much. I got to drive an excavator, y'all. You should have seen it was, man, it, you walked out of that thing like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? It was awesome. But anyway, come join us next year. For those of you who are fairly new to the church, um, I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I, I liked AKA the Holy Land. Um, and, and I love magnolia trees uh, because that reminds me of home. The other half of my family is from Louisiana. So there's something I haven't done in a long time. And that is every once in a while, I like to tell you a little story about my friend Boudreaux. So I got, I got a little Boudreaux story for you this morning. Is that all right if I tell you about Boudreaux? So Boudreaux and Thibodeau, um, my old Cajun friends, are, they went out hunting. And they were out hunting in the woods. And, and all of a sudden, Thibodeau looks around and says, Boudreaux, wh- where'd the truck be? You're like, I don't, I, they, they got lost. They couldn't figure out where they were. Couldn't figure out north from south, east, west. They're just out in the woods. So finally, Thibodeau says, hey, Boudreaux, I heard that if you get in trouble in the woods, that you shoot three times and you wait, somebody will come and help you. So he said, okay, well, let's try it. So they shoot three times, wait about 30 minutes, ain't nobody come. Thibodeau says, Boudreaux, maybe we should try one more time. So they shoot three more times, wait another 30 minutes, ain't nobody coming. Thibodeau looks at Boudreaux and says, we got to get somebody soon because I'm running out of arrows. Anyway, that's my boot. That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's funny. But anyway, welcome to church this morning. We're glad you're here and all. But I started last week and we started talking about a concept called legacy, right? Legacy, the idea of maybe kind of leaving something beyond ourselves, not just surviving this life, but living in such a way that it means something beyond ourselves. I was thinking about me personally, some of the legacy in my family. So so I'll tell you a little bit more. Here's where I really get into how redneck my family really is. The hub of my family is a place called Picayune, Mississippi, right? And that, you can't make this up. And, and my Uncle Claudie and my Aunt Pepe, they lived on that farm, right? They were married for like, I think it was like 3,047 years, something like that. No, but seriously, 70-something years they were married and lived on that same piece of property. And everybody in our family knew if you had a problem, go to Picayune. Everybody, cousins, people from all over, even as we spread out as a family. And every summer I would go back to Picayune and spend a week at the farm. And the cousins would come. And that's how us, the cousins, we got back together. And I think, I mean, I have pictures of, I remember the time that, that uh, my Uncle Claudia, he was, he was a funny old bird. He didn't say a whole lot, but when he said something, it was like E.F. Hutton. You know what I mean? Like everybody listened. And, and um. And, and, and I remember the time my cousin was like, Uncle Claudia, can I, can I take one of those roosters home? And Uncle Claudia said, I'll tell you what, son, you catch that rooster, it's yours. You can take it home. So us cousins took out, you know, and, and I'll never forget the day he caught it. He didn't want a rooster no more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was bad, you know? And I was, but I was thinking about legacy. I was thinking about my mom, you know, she used to say some things in our family. A couple of the axioms I remember in my family were like, you can do anything for a time period if you know you don't have to do it forever. Right? Isn't that good? Right? I just, and, then, and then another one was, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, how are you going to find time to do it over again? And as, I mean, as I was thinking about this idea of legacy, and then there's my, my, my uncle Ronnie Joe, Ronnie Joe Seymour. They live in Van Cleve, Mississippi. And, and, and his wife is, is my dad's sister, my aunt. And, and I think about like how solid they've been in life. And I was just thinking about... I'm so blessed to have a legacy, something to lean back on. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and here's what's kind of the weight that hit me all of a sudden is, you know, now I'm 50. <laughs> and I got less time left than I've lived. Are you, all, are you hearing me? And the question is now, well, now, Mike, it's on you. Like, what kind of legacy are you leaving? What, what are people going to look back and say? What are they going to talk about it? And I really want to challenge you this morning that, Our lives have gotten so busy and so focused on the right now that I think we're missing this concept of legacy. We're we're, we're missing this concept that we're building something to leave for the next generation. You ever thought about why God leaves us here? In other words, when you get saved, why didn't he just zap you up to heaven? 
right? You're saved. It's all good. And the answer to that really, I think, is, listen to me, legacy. Is that we're the message carriers. We're, we're the ambassadors. We're the ones to carry it on. We're the ones to pass it on to the next generation. That's what we talked about at man camp. Right, men? Like, what does it look like for us to pass on to the next generation, to our young men, to not only play the man, but to make the man as well? Right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but just saying those words, I, I, I got a feeling there's a handful of you here who had some amazing parents or an amazing dad at home. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's right. But there's a good majority of us here that just saying those words actually gets a little negative in your mind and in your heart. Because you're like, I don't really know how to do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what that, like, I have more fear than I do excitement when I talk about that concept. And so the idea of us talking about legacy is trying to build something together. Can I be really, really transparent? You know, confession is good for the heart, bad for the reputation, right? Let me confess. I didn't know where my dad was for 10 years. I, I joined a fraternity because I thought that was somewhere maybe I could learn some things about manhood. I learned some things about manhood that I've had to unlearn. Come on, somebody, right? But the goal being, what does it mean to be a man that God wants to do something? What does it mean for you ladies to be the woman that God has called you to be? And so last week, we kind of dove in, and I'm going to dive in kind of deep now. I felt like I needed to tell a Boudreaux joke up front because I'm going to dive in a little teachy up front. Can you hang with me just for a few minutes, and we'll get practical towards the end? But I, I want us to dig into something that's a little hard to look at, and it's, it's a little bit of a tough topic, but I think it is so critical for us to reframe our mind and the way we live. Last week, we started by reading out of Revelations 20. Anytime you read out of Revelations, you know it's going to get interesting. Revelations 20 and 11, it says... Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Now, what this is describing is one day, listen to me, you and I are going to stand before God. Every single one of us. I don't know if you've seen the medical research, but now these days, 100% of people are going to die. Have you seen the new medical research? Right? Like every one of us, whether that be next week or 80 years from now, this life is going to end. And when that happens, we're going to stand before God and this kind of describing it. And I saw the dead and the great, great and small standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened. For those of you here last week, you remember we talked about this last week. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Did you know that you're going to go through, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to go through two judgments. We're going to go through. A lot, of, a lot of Christians don't know that. This is the first one. And the first one is this. We're going to stand. And there's going to be books, is the way it's described, that are brought that describe all of our actions, everything that we've ever done. And then there's going to be one book. And that one book is going to determine, basically, our entry, whether we get into heaven or not. And it is completely and totally based on whether or not we have a relationship, catch this, a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing you do. This is not works. We're going to talk about works in a minute. This is not the things you do. This is basically, listen to me. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? If I said to you, I visited with my wife for an hour and a half one, uh, once a week every Sunday, would you call that a relationship? So how can I call sitting in church for an hour and a half every Sunday a relationship with God? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like, like this is not just a, yeah, I believe. The devil believes. Pretty sure he's not going to get into heaven. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, this is a relationship. It's about relationship. And that was what we talked about last week. That that's the first, and you can't earn it. It's grace. It's completely me surrendering my life and saying, this life is yours, Jesus. What do you want to do with it? Right? And I take on the fact that he died on the cross and he forgives all my sins. But that brings us to this challenge that what we hear in our culture, grace versus works. Do I get into heaven because it's just amazing grace? Or do I have to do something to get into heaven and that's works? And hey, listen to me. Here's what I want to uh, submit to you today. Most people find themselves on one end of the spectrum or the other. 
They're either a grace person. No, it's all grace. It's nothing you can do. Blah, blah, blah. Or they're a works person. And they go, yeah, you've got to work. And I've heard actually people say, you know, that if you go do something and then you don't confess that sin and then a bus hits you, you go to hell because you haven't confessed that sin. Because it's an unconfessed. That's back to works. Like if you have to do the confession, that's works. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? What I want to submit to you this morning is it's both. It's both. It's not one or the other. Grace and works have their appropriate place in our lives working together. Let me show it to you. Let me show you. Moving on to the second judgment. Remember I said there was going to be two judgments? Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's a different judgment. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And catch what it says. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. In other words, you're going to get rewarded for your works. Are you hearing me? You're not going to get in because of your works. You're going to be rewarded because of your works. Do you see how they work together? See, grace gets me in. Grace is Un, unmerited favor, God just does it because he, because I simply surrender this life to him. That's his, that's grace. Nothing I can do, right? Nothing, all I can do is worship God and say thank you that he lets me in. But once I get in, listen to me, this second judgment is that. Now here's the problem. The problem is the word judgment. It's the way we receive that word. Because most of us, when we hear that word, we think courtroom, right? We think sentence, are you, are you following me? Like we think I'm getting in trouble on that. And here's what I'd like to submit to you today, that this actually has a different meaning. This judgment is like the Olympics. See, the Olympic judges, they don't have like a preference. They don't have, no, and they don't, they're not supposed to be biased and they're not supposed to, doesn't matter who they know. All they're looking for is who can we reward? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? They're not looking for who's bad. And they're not even looking to fix what's bad. What are they doing? They're just looking to reward. Who do we get to give this gold medal to? Who do we get to, who does a job in such a way? And most of the time, you don't ever have anybody who receive, who doesn't receive a medal in the Olympics go over to the judge and go, you, you don't like me. No, I, have you ever seen that? I don't think I've ever seen that on NBC News or anything. I mean... No, that's not because they understand that, that reality, that this is actually how this, this works. And our problem with judgment, our problem with rewarding, listen to me, is we've gotten into an entitlement culture. Come on, somebody. Right? It's this word. You ready for the word? Fair. It's got, it's got, it's got to be fair. I don't, want, I don't want a little Johnny feeling bad about, come on. Like, that's the culture. I don't know about y'all, but when I was growing up, you had to actually win the game to get a trophy. Come on, somebody. Now, listen, here's what I need to say to you. There's a, there's a reality there that sometimes we're so worried about somebody's feelings that we're actually teaching them bad theology. Are you tracking with me? That that's not how it works in God's economy. That's not how it's going to work for him. All right. Somewhere along the way, our thinking has gotten a bit twisted. And here's the problem. We're sinful. We're sinful. What does that mean? I'm selfish. Anybody here selfish? Anybody bold enough to go, yeah, I'm selfish? You know what? The two, quick, two quickest ways to know you're selfish. One is get married and two is to have kids. Lord, have mercy. Right? You single people? Yeah, just wait. You'll see. Right? I mean... I'm up here teaching this morning, and so many people look at, you know, Pastor Mike, oh, we love you, Pastor Mike, and blah, 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 and you got this picture of our house. I came home from man camp last night and fought with my wife, y'all. Come on, somebody. Know why? Because I wanted something the way I wanted it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And this morning I had to walk in and go, I'm sorry, I'm a loser. Right? Because we're selfish, we're sinful. So here's the problem. Because of our sinful nature, we're going to run into concepts that are God's way of thinking. That are right and true and just and fair according to God. That we are going to not like. That we are going to be uncomfortable with. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I've said it to you a million times. That one that says, turn the other cheek. 
that one stinks in Mike's way of thinking. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like, and so we're going to, but hear me, listen to me. I need you to see scripturally, this is what's going to happen. We're going to one day be rewarded. And guess what? Everyone is going to be rewarded differently. Everyone is going to be rewarded differently according to what they do. And I don't think, because I think heaven, something's going to happen inside of us that takes the sinful nature away, right? And so I don't think that I'm going to be number 48, right? And Marcus is going to be number 37 in the line. And he gets up there and they give him this and that and blah. And I'm in the back of the line going, I hope I get one of those. I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I think we're going to be like, Jesus, you're right. That was you got that one, Jesus. That was good. Way to go, Marcus. Right? And way to go. And, and so listen to me. A reality of being that we're going, this is, a, this is our future. This is what's going to happen. It's so important for us to grasp. It's all throughout the Bible. Matthew 16 and 27. It's not in your notes, but I'll put it on the screen. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward, catch this, each person according to what he has done. He's going, to, he's going to reward each of us according. Now that word reward, for those of you who don't know, the Bible was not written in English. And this part of the original Bible was written in Greek. That word reward in the Greek is apodidomai, is the word. Apodidomai. Let me read you a definition. To meet a contractual obligation. You mean our God sees the sacrifices you give on this earth Almost in the way he's going to reward you, like a salary, like a contractual obligation. Does he have to do that? No, he doesn't. I think it is so cool that our God would think that way. Like that he actually, he says, he says to each one of us, listen, I know it's going to be a little bit tough. I know that you're going to have to give some things up or you're going to feel sacrificial. Anybody ever, if you're really honest, if you're really honest, if you thought about Christianity, you just kind of thought about it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's, it's funny. It's funny because we will often talk with somebody who's out there living wild and they're wilding out and we're like, oh, that's terrible. And then something in the back of our head's like, well, I wish I could kind of do that sometimes. Like, can we be that honest this morning enough to say that? That our sinful nature goes, yeah, man, I like to go to the club and lose my mind too. Not worry about the consequences. I'd like to just go and sleep with whoever I want to sleep with and not worry about the, come on. There's a sinful nature inside of us. But listen to me, here's the story. Here's Here's what's so cool. God says, listen to me, for every sacrifice that you make for me in this world, guess what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you back. Isn't that the coolest concept to think that God would do that when he doesn't have to? Right? That he says, listen, I know how hard it's going to be. Jesus came and you ever thought about the reality that Jesus went through puberty? Mom, mom, mom says I'm becoming a man. Like there was a point when Jesus, creator of the universe, is in a body talking like this. You know, you're, listen to me. God came in the in flesh, lived as a man and and live just like you and me. Why? So he would understand. And I think oftentimes when you pray that Jesus is sitting right next to the father and you pray and Jesus hears that prayer and he turns to the father and he goes, dude, that was hard for real. I remember that. I remember that feeling. And I remember how hard it was sitting inside of that body to be tempted and to not, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like we have a God that's that personal and that real about our situation. And he wants to reward you. Now, here's where somebody's going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were not supposed to do things to get something. That, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to balance that in just a second because you're exactly right. Let me applaud you if that's your thought because that's exactly right. It should not be the motivation. I'm just telling you actually what's going to happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then we're going to frame it. We're going to put it into context. Uh, it's interesting because we don't do things because we get. Like, as a matter of fact, I don't know about anybody else here, but Matheny's, we don't do allowances. <laughs> I am not giving you money to be a part of my family. Come on, somebody. 
you, you know why you clean up, you, you know, you know why you take out that trash? Cause you eat my groceries. That's why. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know why you make up your, you clean up your room? Cause I gave you that stinking bed. I mean, you, unless you'd like to pay rent, we can make it. No, but listen to me. We don't do that. Why? Because the reality is we're part of the family. That's, I don't, I don't want to teach my kids in that way, but here's what I have done with my kids. I have paid them to read books that I choose. And then we discuss. And I want you to hear the concept because that's a similar concept, I think, to the way God works with us. So I have had my kids, some of my kids were big readers. Some of them were not. Guess what? Big readers, guess what? They got cash. Little readers got change. You know what I'm saying? And you might go, well, that's not fair. Really? Really? It's, it's not fair to give someone what they're due because of what they did? Come on, y'all. We've gotten ourselves a little twisted in our culture, right? When somebody says they should get something for nothing. That's, listen, that is not God's economy. Be careful that we're not teaching our kids a wrong theology. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? A wrong reality in what it means to be. And so I can remember one of my kids was a huge reader, voracious reader. And smart, smart, smart. So I pulled this book off the shelf, and it's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Josh McDowell, he went on this journey, right? It's a fantastic book, absolutely. He went on this journey. He didn't believe in God. And he was an amazing, smart, brilliant dude, researcher. And he started researching. And when I say research, I mean he went to Europe and went to the libraries, to the original books of historical books and all this, trying to prove that Jesus was a hoax. Halfway through this project... He became a follower of Jesus. And so this book, it's a textbook. And it's not written novel-like. It's like outline form. I mean, it's, it's a te- I can only read about a page or two at a time, and i got to stop and process, right? But one of my sons, I showed him the book, and he was like, yeah, I'll, re- I'll read this book. How much is this book worth, Dad? I said, I'll give you 40 bucks if you read this book, and we talk about it. He's like, okay. So one of my other kids comes out of the library, I kid you not, with a pamphlet. Come on, somebody. How are you give me 40 bucks for this? No, I'm not giving you 40 bucks for that. Are you crazy? Listen, I think we've got a context, a reality of the relationship that we have with God. But God, listen to me, he is a rewarder. He plans to reward those who sacrifice in this world to fulfill his plan. Revelation 22 and 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. I kind of like that. Almost picture like a dad with a Christmas present. He can't wait. He don't want to wait till we get back there. I'm going to bring it with me because it's so cool and so awesome. You know what I mean? Like I just love that picture. And my reward is with me to give to everyone, listen, according to his work. Now, again, this can turn into this theological battle. Grace works, grace works. But again, they are complementary. First judgment is about grace. It's what gets us into heaven. Ready? It is about salvation. The second, though, is a a judgment like the Olympics, where they're just looking to give out medals. They're just looking to reward. And we all will be rewarded differently. So here's what I want to do. Last week, I gave you the, the exam questions. Do you remember if you were here? I wanted to help you with the first exam, the first judgment. I want to do the same thing with the second judgment. I want to give you some things that I think will help us pass this test so that we get rewarded in the way that God would wants to reward us, that we have things straight. Are you tracking with me a little bit? This is, this is a tough teaching because I had, I really prayed through this that this could get confused quite a bit with grace and works. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And we've got to balance. So let me look at 1 Corinthians 3 and 12. If any man builds on his on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, notice that word is capitalized because it's referring to the day, the day of judgment, the day standing there before the throne. It's that day. Because the day will bring it into light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives he will receive his reward. So the work will be tested. Like I said last week, I gave you two questions to answer the first part of this exam. But today I want to give you some tests for our works. Some tests for our works. What is going to be tested? What is the fire going to test? Let me give you a few of these. Number one is the test of relationship. 
In other words, why did you do the work in the first place? Why are you serving on the dream team? Why do you tithe? Why do you um, give in the community or serve? If you're doing the work for the reward, listen to me, that disqualifies you for the reward. That's not why we do it. This is a test of relationship. The correct reason for doing the work is relationship and love. My wife is absolutely amazing. That woman, I don't know a person who works harder. She is 100 miles an hour from 4 o'clock in the morning till about, if I can keep her up, till 8 o'clock at night. Okay? But she works her, and she serves me in, in way beyond what I deserve. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But you know what? She doesn't do it for a reward. <laughs> if she did, number one, our relationship would be extremely shallow, right? If you are in a relationship and you only do if they do, that's not a, that's not a healthy relationship. It's shallow. But number two, I would run out of rewards. Are you, are you tracking with me? But she doesn't do it for that. You know why she does it? Because she loves me. She does it because of the relationship. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's what I would challenge you. If you're struggling with serving or doing things for God, it's not a laziness issue. Catch this. It's a relationship issue. Like when I lose focus and realize, because when you know who God is and you know what he has done, and you continue in relationship with him. There is this natural turnaround and serve. I want to. It's about relationship. Relations 2 and uh, two through 4. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. This is him in the church going, man, great job. I know your deeds. I know what you've done, man. You've persevered. Y'all gone through all kinds of junk. Been amazing. And then he goes, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. In other words, you've gotten away from relationship. You've gotten away from the why you do this. Why are you tithing? Like when you write the check, like you're tithing, you write the check, do it online, text, give, whatever you do. Is it like, oh, tithing. That's a lot of freaking money. Right? Guess what? That's a duty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's a command. That's, that's not me doing it because of relationship that I have to the Father. That's, that's a relational issue. Are you tracking with me? And when I get there, there's a really good chance that every time I did that, that that's not going to be rewarded. Because it's not relationship. That burns up. Are you, are you tracking with me? Like it's, it's going to be the test of relationship. Um, why are you serving? Why, why, why do you help in the kids' ministry? Why do you do the things you do? Listen to me. What's going to be real and what's going to be rewarded is when you go, because I loved you, the way that my wife serves me, right? And the way that hopefully I appropriately serve her is simply purely from relationships. So we got a member in the church that got a diagnosis, a, a cancer diagnosis. Of course, we were fearful and they were fearful and elders got together, laid hands, prayed on them. And two days later, the doctor was like, I can't find anything, Right? Yeah, listen, amazing. But catch this, catch this, catch this. The husband of this woman, um, I'm talking to him a few days later. And he's like talking about taking on leadership in another part of the church. And he's already in leadership. And he's like, dude, I'll do whatever. Listen to me, what's the motivation? It's gratitude. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like he had the opportunity to see who God was. And who Jesus was. And he wasn't thinking, well, I have to. And he wasn't thinking anything else other than, I know who God is. And because I'm in relationship, I have to respond. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like that's, that's the test of relationship. Number two test I think is going to test our, our works. And that is the test of motive. The test of motive. Let me address something very critical in our culture today. It is a heresy being preached in our culture today, and it's something called the prosperity gospel. It's the idea of get to give. Listen to me. If you ever hold an offering in your hand and claim a check in the mail, you will never be rewarded for that giving. Never. That's a wrong motive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
If all I ever do is serve in such a way to what I get, that's not going to, that, that disqualifies all reality. Matter of fact, let me show it to you. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Can I be real honest for a second? I struggle balancing this one for you guys. Because we do so much as a church. When I come and I want to tell you guys, because I want, are you tracking with me? Like, I want to tell you guys, but I'm like, God, I'm not trying to make us look good. I'm trying to come and like, I want to like post things on Facebook. You know, we get to the, and then I think about this scenario and I'm like, God, check my mo Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like we need to constantly be considering our motive of why we're doing the things that he has called us to do. I do think God wants you to own things. Matter of fact, I'll go to this. Now, some of you are going to go, you just said one thing and I feel like you're saying another. Stick with me. I think God wants you to be rich. And you go, wait a minute. Didn't you just say prosperity gospel? Catch this. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11. You will be made rich in every way so that, big contraction, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Are you hearing? I do think God wants to use you as a conduit. We'll push in on this one a little bit. Maybe we're not being used as a conduit because we can't be trusted to be generous. Maybe we're struggling a little bit where we are because we've got some of these things twisted. Are you, are you, are you, tra- are you hearing what I'm saying? I know I'm stepping on toes and I'm pushing a little bit this morning. Listen to me. Tithe and trust and see what God does. Are you tracking with me? Give above and beyond sacrificially and see what God does. One of our police officers, just a few weeks ago, that, that we hire, we hire police every day, pulled me aside afterwards like, Pastor Mike, I was standing in the back. I love most of them are sitting back here and get to hear the message. And he says, you know what? I heard your message, so I started tithing. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, I started tithing to the church. And I'm like, well, okay, so, so what happened? He's like, you are not going to believe it. He's like, I had like 20 people over two weeks buy me lunch give me gift cards, do all these kind of things. And he said, do you know that everything that was given to me was twice what I gave in time? Now listen to me, only God can do that kind of stuff. Like, but that's, that's what it takes is for us to understand this, this reality that he wants you to be rich, but it's so that we might be generous. Let me say it to you this way. God raises your standard of living so that you can raise your standard of giving. Are you tracking? Like that's... That's the point. God prospers me so I can do more for him. That's pure motive. That's the test of motive, right? Motive. Next one. Next one is the test of love. And love, I think, is tied to vision. It's tied to why. Why we do it, right? The vision that that we have, like, we don't serve the community and Leesburg High School and Leesburg Police Department or anyone else, listen to me, to feel good. If we do, there's the reward. Done. We do it because our motive is I have relationship with God. I understand who he is and what he's done. I understand my relationship to the community. And because he loves me, I turn around and love. Right? It's love. Because if I have a relationship with God, I start to love what he loves. When Jen and I first got married, she's like, beach, beach, beach. All she wants to do is live on a beach, right? And she is so, she can sit, I think she could sit on the surface of the sun and be perfectly comfortable. Like, she likes hot. Well, if you've been here long enough, then you might know I sweat a little bit. Come on, somebody. And so we would, we, she was like, let's go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the beach. And I mean, I'm just like, you know. 
You know what happened over time? Honestly, this is true. I'm the first one to say, let's go to the beach now. Here's what happened. I love her. She loves the beach. Over time, I began to love the beach. Are you tracking with me? If you love God and you spend time with him, over time, you will begin to love what he loves. Period. It's just that simple. So the works that we do will be measured based on love, right? The vision that they are loved by God. And so we choose to love them so that they might know him. First Corinthians 13 and three. If I confess, oh, give this. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, my translation, zip diddly, ding dong dang. Nothing, right? I got nothing. And so here's, here's what's about to happen. This is the one time a year we talk about money, right? The rest of the year. And, and here's what I love. Here's why I don't even hesitate talking about money. I love it. It's because we're giving it all away. It ain't for Church of the Lakes. Next week, we're doing our annual legacy offering. And the idea is this. We've come up with projects that we want to do in the community. Think ways that we want to serve. Let me give you another one. I gave you one last week. We're working with Care for Pastors to find local pastors that are hurting that maybe they didn't do so well through this COVID thing. Are you hearing their church is struggling or whatever kind of deal? So I asked Pastor Ron, I said, find me some pastors that you're pretty sure their family's not going to have Christmas. Are you tracking with me? Because what we want to do is I want us to write a check to Pastor Joe, whoever, in South Carolina, wherever. It's going to get a card from Church of the Lakes. And the check's going to be in there. And I'm hoping to write like maybe like $500 checks to pastors. With a note that says, you are not allowed to spend this on your church or curriculum or anything like that. You spend this on you and your family. Merry Christmas, Church of the Lakes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why would we do that? It's just because we love who God loves. And we love his people who are work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so next week, I've been talking about this legacy offering. We're not going to make it some big emotional. I'm not going to put, you know, babies with swollen bellies from malnutrition on. No, this is not an emotional thing. This is a thing for Church of the Lakes for us to ask ourselves, how can I sacrificially serve and give? So here's what's going to happen this week. For those of you who are on our list, on our email list, you're going to get an email. I made five videos. One tells you about the offering. The other four are the different lanes. Next generation, local missions, regional missions, global missions. All I want you to do is pray and ask God and do whatever God tells you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And then we're going to do all of those projects at whatever pace God puts on your heart to give to them. We're going to do them all. Like there's 12 projects. That was just one. But I I, I want to challenge you with the reason that we do this is not because we're trying to be something. It's not because we're trying to make Church of the Lakes big and bad and cool and famous or whatever. It's because Jesus loves, Jesus loves Leesburg. Do you know that? Jesus loves Leesburg High School. Jesus loves Oak Park. That's another project. We want to put a rock in Oak Park. Listen, like this is our motivation. This is why I serve. And I think that's what's going to be tested when our works go before him. It's love in action. So the test of relationship, the test of love, the test of mode of last one here, and then I'm going to get closing in just a second, is the test of eternity. Let me say this to you. Not all acts of kindness are measured the same. Not all acts of kindness are the same. In other words, it's not good enough to be nice. We are called to be strategic, physically and spiritually. Here's what I mean by that. You know what people need? They need water and Jesus. Are you, are you tracking with me? So one of the things that we're looking at as a church right now is, are we getting a spiritual return on our missions money? Like, it's not just good enough for us. We can give money to the Peace Corps, right? We can give money to people that just go out and serve people and make them feel happy. But the point is, we want to deal with the physical issues and the spiritual issues at the same time, right? So I think one of the things, listen to me, this is so, so important. One of the things that's going to be measured in our works is we're going to have done all kinds of cool little things that we served physically, but maybe didn't have some kind of tie to eternity. I'm not sure those are going to make it through. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like the point 
for us to give and serve is to open up the opportunity that we might share who God is. We say it this way around here. Wonder precedes the word. When you do something that makes somebody wonder and they go, so, so y'all aren't going to build a building for your church? No. But, but, well, why? Well, because we've been able to give away almost a half a million dollars in three years. So instead of paying for air conditioners and maintenance and mortgages, we've got to invest in money, in that money into people. Do you hear what I'm saying? But we tie it in such a way to eternity because, let me say it to you this way. If somebody gets their house rebuilt after a storm, if they get food that they need, they get finances that they need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but they still go to hell, we lost. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like we need to do the physical, but we need to tie the eternal to it. And I think that's going to be a weight when we get there and measure. So with all that said, social justice, let me say it to you this way. Social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. Spiritual justice without social justice is not justice either. They must go together. Luke 16 and 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Did you hear that? Use the wealth that you have. Use the resources that God's given you to get influence and to, and, and to do that. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal dwellings. We're focused back on eternity. This is all about eternity. This is all about eternity. This life is all about eternity. And the devil, through all kinds of mediums, whether it be Hollywood or the music you're listening to, or your neighbors, or your workplace, or whatever. The devil is trying so hard to get you to focus right here on this silly earth and forget that you're only going to live about 80 years or so. And then you're going to live for eternity, forever in that place, rewarded according to what happened in this little bitty time span. Are you tracking with me? We've got to refocus ourselves in understanding why we are here. Let me jump past the rest of that verse. I just want to say this. I want to be a church that leverages everything we can for eternal purposes, right? I want to provide a church for you. I want to provide a place where your kids are having fun and they're happy. And I want to provide small groups and those kind of things. But can I say this to you? That's only a little bit of what we want to do. If that's all we do, we'll just be another church here in Leesburg. But I want something more. Anybody else? I want something bigger than that. I want something, like we said, transcendence that's bigger than ourselves, that we see something change in this community because of the effort that we make. Am I the only one in the room who's tired of the same old, same old? Like when I look around in our area and it's just kind of the same old, same old. That's when my daddy did it. And that's where his daddy did it before him. That's all fine and good, but what kind of results are we getting, y'all? Right? That we have this eternal mindset. So how do we do that? Because I, I know like some of this is, is, is really hard to hear, but it's really about storing up treasures in heaven. Let me read it to you from Matthew 6 and 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Anybody ever been, you ever had a break in? Somebody, you know, maybe somebody's broken into your cars. That stinks, Right? But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So let me close with this. I want to give you, because that was real teachy. I know I'm not always that teachy. And I know that was kind of thick. So, so let me give you three practical ways for us to live this out. Let me give you three very practical ways that this afternoon, tomorrow morning, here at work this week, wherever you are, that we can maybe actually live out some of this that we just talked about. Because... Because, man, that sounds big, right? That sounds really big. Number one, number one is to realize that God owns everything. Everything is his. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. That was his breath. He just let you use it. Are you hearing me? That's his seat. He's letting you put your butt on it. Right? Those are, those are his clothes and... That's his house that you're going to go back to today. And his car. Listen to me, it's the difference between a manager and an owner mentality. Right? If you own it, there's this tendency to kind of take for granted or even to take 
you know, maybe some liberties. But if you're managing something for somebody else, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's different. It's completely, completely different. First Chronicles 29. Love this. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father of Israel, for everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatest and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Every once in a while, I'll be at a ball game and send my kids to the concession stand. You ever do that? Like pull out a few bucks, send your kid over to the concession stand, come back with some peanuts. Hey, give me some peanuts. No, Dad, these are my peanuts. Child, have you lost your mind? I got enough money in my pocket to buy all the peanuts out of that concession stand and pour them over your head right now. You're not going to give me a peanut? No, these are, these are my peanuts. How silly does the child look and how silly do we look? When we take something and say, this is mine, when it was only because the Father gave it to us in the first place. Are you tracking with me? Everything, everything is His. We as God's kids have to stop and realize that it is all His in the first place. Number two. Number two. We have to manage everything on His behalf. We have to manage everything on His behalf. In other words, let me say it to you this way. Hey, God, how do you want me to handle your Monday? You ever prayed that? Tomorrow's Monday, right? Have you thought about how he wants you to handle his Monday? Hey, how do you want me to manage this house you've given me, God? How do you want me to use it for you? How do you want me to use the boat that you've allowed me to have? How do you want me to use the cash that's in my pocket? You know, sometimes you got a few extra bucks in your pocket. You just need to stop in over here at Donut King. Come on, somebody. Because it's holy and anointed icing on them things. You know what I'm talking about? And take that holy anointed box to your workplace and put it down on the table and go, here's some donuts I brought for everybody. Why? Because I want to build a real relationship. Why? Because I'm hoping to maybe invite somebody to come to church with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, we can leverage every little thing when we have an eternal mindset. In other words, hey, God, what are you interested in? You You ever thought about that? Like, I challenge you tomorrow on your Monday to stop in the middle of the madness and go, God, what are you interested in right now that's going on right here? Like, what am I missing that you're focused on, but I'm too busy doing all these other to-do list things? What are you trying to accomplish, God, that I need to be a part of? See, I realize that I'm managing what you have given me on your behalf. And sometimes, can I just be honest, Mike acts like an owner, right? This is my stuff. And I... That's my job, and I got that job. Really? Who gave you that personality? We're just, we're just managers. Matthew 10 and 42. And if anyone gives you a cup of water, one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his, there's the word again, reward, epididomai. Number three, last one, and I'm going to close. Number three is we have to focus our whole lives towards eternity. To focus our whole lives towards eternity. I'll say it to you this way. The greatest deterrent from leaving a legacy is thinking that this is your home. The greatest deterrent from leaving a legacy is thinking this is it. Is losing a concept that if your life is this long, eternity starts at this hand and goes out that door and all the way to the coast Across the Atlantic, are you hearing me? It's forever. And when God's people grasp God's economy and the way that he's looking at things, we take this life and realize there's so much, so little here. But this is what determines 
the whole rest of that eternity. This is a tough, tough verse I'm about to read you. I just want to warn you ahead of time. Philippians 3 and 18. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That stings because that's us. We can point fingers at other people, but listen to me. If we're not paying attention to what he's interested in, if we're not loving who he loves, if we're not doing what he does, we may actually be working against what he's trying to accomplish. Are you going to hear what I'm saying? And then we are an enemy of the cross. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Why? Because I'm so focused on this earth. I wonder why I keep having problem and problem after problem in this life. Why does destruction keep coming to my life? It's because maybe my focuses are in the wrong place and my actions are in the wrong place because my focus is in the wrong place. And then I come to that place. Their God is their stomach. <laughs> that one hits home with me. Come on, y'all. I'm an emotional eater. I, I, I have the spiritual gift of eating. But what it's saying here is they're fulfilling their own desires. And their glory is in their shame. Their glory is in their shame. What does that mean? That means I like to sit around and talk about those things that I used to do. And we laugh about them like those were the good old days. Listen to me. And my glory is in my shame. The only time that I get happy is when I talk about the good old days when I used to do boom, 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 boom. And my glory is in my shame. Are you tracking what that means? Instead of me living in his glory today, because I'm living in relationship with him and fulfilling what he's called me to do, their mind is on earthly things. But our, come on somebody, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await, eagerly await. Those who are eagerly awaiting for something are doing something today because they know what's coming. Right? That's, that's the works part of what we do for God. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a dangerous teaching today because this grace works thing has been an argument for a long, long time. Praying I said it in a way or the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart in such a way that you understand the difference. That grace and works, they work together. That grace and works, listen to me, are both just as important for differing reasons. But listen to me. Our why has to be in place. Why do we do the works? Relationship. It's got to start with a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that relationship, you can start that relationship today. What's so amazing is that first part, that grace part, that's what that is. It makes it easy. Jesus says, I'll take you just like you are. I, you're a mess. Come on. I've taken worse messes than you before. It's grace. This relationship. And then once I know him, once it becomes real, it's a real relationship. It's, it's, it's motive. Why am I doing it? I, I do it because I love him. And, and it's the test of love. I do it because I love. And, and then why? Now I'm focused on eternity because I realize the whole story. I've been so focused on the things of this world and just trying to get to the next paycheck and just trying to pay this bill and just do these things. And I've lost all sense. Or maybe things are going great for you. And you're doing better than you've ever done before. And guess what? That's just as dangerous. Come on, somebody. There's an eternity waiting for us. I'm stoked about it. I'm not, I'm not scared, and I don't think you should be scared. And I hope that none of this made you fearful because God's not sitting there going, yeah, dummy, get it together. That's not what he's doing. Although some of you might feel that way right now. That, like that's your initial reaction because you grew up in that church. You know that church that you had to come and you know, beg for forgiveness on your knees every Sunday, you sucky sinner. Rah, rah, rah. That's not who our God is. Listen to me, God's a rewarder. He wants to reward you. He wants to put a gold medal on you. That's, that's who he is. But you know what we have to do? We have to deal with this crazy thing called our sinful nature, right? And make sure that we are dealing with it in such a way where we surrender it to Christ and let him to begin to heal and overcome our junk so that we might do relationship properly with him. And then, and then we'll do because it's a pleasure to do. It's a joy to do. Now, if you're here today and you're struggling with the things that you do not being a joy, I challenge you with this. Don't apologize. Don't feel bad about it. In the next few minutes when we pray, 
push in and say, you know what? It's just because I'm not close, close enough to you, God. Because you're a rewarder. And you, that's me. That's on me. I just need to step in into relationship with you. I just need to step in. And yet it's weird and uncomfortable trying to have a relationship with God. It's weird and uncomfortable for all of us. But that's, that's really who our God is. It's so much simpler than we make it. And our sinful nature makes it for us. Does that make any sense? Anybody understanding what I'm saying to you this morning? So let's take that to God. Can we do that? Let's pray real quick. Father, we're so grateful. (laughs) I'm grateful for your patience. (laughs) You you are so stinking patient with us, and we are so silly. First, we thank you for your grace. Uh, Nothing we can do but just say thank you. Nothing we can do but respond to it, because it's the free gift of salvation that you give us through Jesus. And so thank you, Father. We worship you. We thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish I had a better word. But then I know I do have a better word. It's my response. It's my works. It's the way in which I respond to that reality and focused on your eternity and developing my relationship with you and walking. And so God, anyone listening to this teaching today, Holy Spirit, would you speak to their heart? Guard them from the enemy who would try to come in and just make them feel condemned and make them feel bad. That's not the goal today. The goal today is for us to remember that you're a God who rewards. So Holy Spirit, speak to us in that way today. And help us to go out from this place and do it just a little bit better. As a manager, not an owner. Serving on your behalf. Handling your Monday tomorrow the way you want your Monday handled tomorrow. And we'll give you all the glory and praise for all that's accomplished. Pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We're going to finish in worship this morning. If you want to stand in worship, you may be dismissed whenever you want. You can go right after this. We'll have people over here on the prayer team worshiping. If, they, if you want to uh, pray with somebody, do that or come to Life Steps with church. Have a great week. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a kind stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing
stop this joy when is it in the street spring up a will spring up a will spring up a will in me 